Hey, this is Nick here. I wanted to send a quick message to the founders out there. If you're raising your first round of capital and you're not located in the Bay Area, New York City, or Boston, we'd love to connect with you. Newstack leads deals for founders that don't fit the standard Silicon Valley profile and are located in undercapitalized areas. If that describes you, or if you know a startup that fits that description, please send us an email. It's team at newstack.vc. Now here's a word from our partners. This episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western is the leading provider of venture debt and banking services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors. Go to pacwest.com to learn more. Welcome to the podcast about investing in startups, where existing investors can learn how to get the best deal possible. And those that have never before invested in startups can learn the keys to success from the venture experts. Your host is Nick Moran, and this is The Full Ratchet. Welcome back for part two of the interview with Christine Tsai. In today's segment, we will cover the 500 Women Angelist Syndicate launched last fall, the other initiatives around diversity going on at 500, how Christine rates themselves on diversity, her thoughts on recent comments by John Greathouse and how it's difficult to get women founders to come speak at events. And we'll wrap up with more info on Christine, key takeaways, and a tip of the week. Here's part two of the interview on diversity in venture capital. So you've said in the past, the best thing women in tech can do is invest in other women. Last fall, 500 introduced its 500 Women Angelist Syndicate and pledged to invest $1 million in 10 female-led companies in the portfolio. What are the goals and the results that you've seen from this initiative so far? So the interesting thing is like that the goal of that syndicate wasn't necessarily to invest in more women because we already have actually been investing in a lot of companies that are led by women as founders and CEOs. Oh, it was kind okay. of like another emphasis of say, hey, we're so bullish on this and we're, we feel so passionately we're going to actually launch an Angelist syndicate. We actually want to invite actually a big a part of that was trying to get more women to invest because we've our thesis was that there's certainly a lot of women who've worked in tech and probably have they do have the net worth to do angel investments but they don't on the flip side you see a lot of the angel investors and you know it just largely tend to be men so it was encouraging more women that they can do it and they they can whether you're male or female or whatnot it's you know if you have the the means to uh, say buy a new car or you know buy a house you know potentially you could also invest in companies if you feel very passionately about helping you know the next generation of, of founders and there being more say women in tech sure um, this is quite a, sort of a way to encourage that and I think you know same reason that why are there not more say women who are angel investors and a lot of it does come down to kind of the network like well, there are a lot of angels who are men and you have kind of have that network but in terms of women who are angel investors it's not quite as much. So it's maybe either not seen as an option or they don't consider it, or it's just something that's maybe viewed as like not as welcoming. I don't know. I mean, there's probably a number of reasons, but um, so that was part of the pledge um, that we made publicly. The results of the actual Angelist Syndicate. So we have run two companies on the women's syndicate specifically. I think it went okay. I'll be honest. Like, I don't think that the results were quite as strong as what you would have liked. But I think that was largely just due to bandwidth of our team. <laughs> because, you know, typical 500 styles, we do like to try a lot of new things and some things work and some things don't. 
And this is actually something we've been considering just for our Angelist Syndicate strategy in general. We have a couple others that I think they have done. They have done okay. They've done well for for some companies and for others, um, maybe not quite as much. But big thing for us was also to get more familiarity with the Angelist Syndicate platform. And we're you know certainly big fans of Angelist. And in general, I think with the Women's Syndicate, we are certainly really you know passionate about investing in companies with female founders. And even if you look at our team, probably almost 50% of the team is female investment team. It's, um, I think maybe around 30%. And then, you know, the management team with the four of us, you know, half of us are women. And obviously with the co-founders, it's 50%, you know, David, myself. So um, it's something we're very passionate about in general. Well, if you ever want to talk offline about angel list syndicates, give me a shout. I've uh, oh. traded a lot of emails with Naval and Nivy about the the mechanics of various things, but great. Um, it's great. But there's certainly a lot of nuance to it, and there's so much detail that I, I did not expect when I first got involved with it. <laughs> yeah, I remember when angel list syndicates first came out. A lot of people didn't, you know, quite know. You know, it was very new, and I'm sure angel even for themselves, they were trying to figure out how the platform would take off. And yep. you know, there's a lot of talk about oh, is this going to kill VCs or, you know, this and that. But I think it's actually, it's, it's great to see another channel for companies. And yeah, I'll definitely pick your brain about it. <laughs> yeah. So Christine, are there any other 500 initiatives focused on diversity, uh, whether internally or maybe the port codes that are admitted to the accelerator? We'll, we'll start to be doing more, um, hopefully more diversity initiatives that are a little bit more outbound. I think, you know, if you talk to a lot of founders, just anecdotally, in terms of like how they see 500, you know, the common, at least qualitative feedback is that 500 is very diverse. They invest in a lot of diverse founders. Their team is diverse. And the other thing is that we do a lot of investing outside of Silicon Valley too, and even out of the U.S., so international founders, we unofficially or officially are known as, you know, one of the most diverse VCs or diverse accelerators. But in terms of kind of more explicit initiatives, right. like the Women Syndicate or whatnot, I think we'll start to release that a little bit more next year. I think a lot of what we've done has been not so much kind of packaged into a campaign, but we've tried to really infuse it into the everyday, investing in a lot of companies who are diverse or hiring people or, you know, one great example is we run a lot of events and conferences. We've tried to do a lot to get more of a diverse speaker set, for example. So, you know, I, I do think that ultimately that's probably more important that you, it is actually integrated into our day-to-day, not just a splashy campaign, one-time campaign. But we would like to do a lot more of if it's meetups or just more interaction with diversity groups. That's what we're hoping to do more of. So I've got to ask, how do you rate yourselves at 500 in terms of both gender and ethnic diversity? So I think, let's see, do you have a scale? Or should I make a scale? <laughs> I'll let you pick the scale. Um, okay. So I guess let's say one, you know, one is like absolutely horrible. You guys are racist all the way to 10. Like, wow, it's astounding. There's just like no question. Um, and the five being like, oh, you guys are, you know, doing some stuff and you're okay. I think we're probably maybe a seven. Um, I think that we've, we certainly compared to the the standard, which is probably a pretty low bar. (laughs) Uh, we've, we've done extremely well and we're very proud of, our team and, and the companies that we funded. And I think that that's just something that's fundamentally different. I think about us versus other accelerators or other funds. That said, I don't think that we've done a good enough job in terms of 
more in the perspective of there's actually even more opportunity, whether it comes to diversity in terms of doing more like LGBT, um, either investing or reaching out to those groups. You know, we have invested in several businesses actually that say target an LGBT audience. But, you know, the other, aside from like, I don't think we have a problem putting money into companies that are tackling diversity or have founders who aren't kind of the, the typical founder. But we certainly want to take a hard look at even our own investment team and want that to improve from the diversity perspective. And I think it's, you know, women is great. Like we have a lot of women on the team, but we, you know, definitely will admit we don't have people of color. We, we did at some point, but on the investment team, it's something that we're going to change hopefully very soon with, you know, some folks we've been talking to, but you know, I do think that that's something that I'd really want us to improve on in terms of the diversity in our own team, like just being even more aggressive about having that representation on our team. And I hopefully, you know, in terms of just the culture of the team and how we, our values, it, it's not going to be so much a stretch than say a firm that has nothing, I guess, <laughs> but it is something that we are very aware of. And I think depending on who you talk to, a lot of people will say, wow, your team is diverse. And then others will say, well, you, you're not that, there's no one on your investment team. You have no black partners and you have no Latino, Latina partners, et cetera, et cetera. So we just, we don't want to see it as like, oh, yay, we have a black partner, you know, check that box the, the way I mentioned it as how some firms do. Because I don't think that's great either. I think it's just more like we want to have that diverse perspective and it's not so cut and dried, like, okay, it's just women, just one minority group, et cetera. It's just kind of holistically as a team, how do we look at diversity and kind of opportunities? And, you know, we still think that a big part of that is having a team that is also best set up for success. You know, long story short, probably a seven. I don't know how you would rate us, but... <laughs> Certainly at the top of this future list, if they would fix their criteria and start including yeah. 500. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> You know, on on your point about panels and like speaking engagements, uh, I was talking with John Greathouse at Rincon in Santa Barbara, mm-hmm. and he was talking no. about how difficult it is to get women to come speak, even entrepreneurs, because he tries to bring in entrepreneurs frequently. And I was looking at my funnel metrics for the show here, and yeah. recruiting men, it's like 80%. So when I reach out to people, it's it's just a very high conversion rate. But when I reach out to women, it's lower than 50. It's like in the 30s. Any thoughts on why it's so difficult or maybe are we seeing an anomaly when it comes to the stats with the two of us? No, actually, I'm not surprised by that. I think even our own events team has said that, that they they work very hard to try to get more representation in terms of female speakers. Um, I, I mean, I'll focus just on that because that's what you're talking about. But like for female speakers, it, they found it's it's a lot harder I've even noticed that when we've tried to invite some of our post-seed companies to present at our demo day, we've kind of introduced this new section of our demo days where the main attraction is still the current batch that's sort of graduating, but we include maybe 10 to 15 sort of post-seed companies that are look more like series A level traction. And, you know, even for that, you know, we really want to get diverse set of founders presenting from the portfolio. And oftentimes like women will say no more than the men because they say, well, you know, we're, we're very heads down and we just, I'd rather you give the spot to someone else who's actually raising. Whereas for a lot of the guys, they could have closed around and they say, okay, yeah, I'll do it. Great. So, so, you know, I talked a lot about that. You know, it's something like our director of events, like we've, we've talked with a lot about and a lot of different theories as to why it could be a lot of how in general, men and women operate in terms of what they think is 
valuable professionally versus not. And it could be that the kind of the t- typical format of like presenting at a conference is very kind of skews very male um, versus what most women would find useful. And it's, it's more the format. I don't know, but it's, it is interesting. And then you, you can get into the whole topic of just general kind of like the work environment of an office and going in and there, I've seen some kind of editorials about that, about how it's general corporate life is very much male oriented. Basically it was designed for an era when men and women married couple men, you know, are the breadwinner and women stay at home. That's sort of how a lot of folks have argued the current kind of corporate structure is in terms of the day-to-day, you know, go in at nine, come out at five or, Mm -hmm. or whatnot. But anyway, so it just, it could be a lot of things. Maybe it's how you pitch the opportunity to a certain speaker or you just kind of keep being persistent because yeah. we've, you know, I've, we've certainly have had that challenge, but I think we've done a pretty good job trying to get, if not an even 50, 50 ratio, at least close to it. So it's never like one reason. Right. It's always like a lot of things as to why there's either lack of diversity or lack of this and that. So, yeah, I'm sure but it's think, a, a combination of factors. Yeah. 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 You know, from my standpoint, I was thinking we've done such a poor job in the past of creating diversity. So now the few women in venture capital, for instance, they probably have people grabbing at them all the time for speaking engagements and stuff. So that's probably part of the reason why they have to say no more often. Yeah, I've heard I've heard some of that where you, you sort of see at conferences, the same women either get asked or the same women as if like there's only these five women. But actually, I mean, I think it's, it's you know, some of it for events, I think it, it ultimately is also like who you know, if you have kind of a more well-known speaker, then you sell more tickets or you get more people attending, more people listening. You know, on the one hand, I kind of see that perspective. That's why sometimes the same women get asked, like Aileen Lee is probably on everybody's list because she's very well-known. But I I think that'll change. I think there's more investors and and great founders, like more of them start to be either women or just, you know, say people of color, et cetera. So hopefully that will change. So it's not just like, these five people <laughs> that right. circulate. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'm just trading emails with her actually. And she said, she's, she's a listener of the show and she's a big fan. So, uh, Oh, that's great. <laughs> fortunately, fortunately, we're trying to get her on in Q1 of 2016, but. Oh yeah. Well, I, I certainly like really look up to alien. I think she's just very intelligent investor and cowboy is a great firm. So hopefully she can, you'll get her too. <laughs> right. Just to close out here, Christine, can you talk about some of the things you're currently most focused on? Um, so right now, I think a lot of my focus has been on helping grow the team itself, um, both in terms of you know helping hire great people, but also helping my team hire great people and and perform you know kind of whatever metrics they're looking at. And I think my role has certainly changed a lot. And I think this is the case with a lot of founders and CEOs. Like when they first start the company, they're a lot more hands on. And, you know, say building product and whatnot, and as they grow, their role changes. So, you know, they eventually build teams that are maybe like running the product and they're like a little bit more removed from that. And that's certainly a very hard transition to make. So for me, what I tend to work more closely with is the accelerator teams and our growth teams or our distribution teams, and then get involved in with a lot of different areas of 500, particularly when it comes to the investment team in general and what's operational about the company, like legal and finance. But what has been a big focus, at least in the very near term, is we have a big company retreat coming up for January. Um, So getting everyone together and kind of talking through what is the year going to look like, et cetera. It'll be pretty big. It's going to be like 100 people. Wow. 
But yeah, I think, you know, going into next year is really like, how do we, you know, especially as we are raising our new fund and we're now, you know, a hundred people, it's very different from just a few months ago when we were only maybe 50 people. So we're, we're certainly, we're sort of like that puppy that still thinks it's a puppy, but has grown up into a big dog or, or, you know, <laughs> or like a kid who's you know kind of growing up and still does things as if they were a kid. I, I was thinking of my son who is potty trained, but you know, sometimes, you know, has accidents. It's like, you forget like, Oh, actually, you know, you, sh- you should be potty trained. Now. I shouldn't be having accidents. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I feel like that's a lot of, you know, for us, there's certainly been a lot of growing pains in terms of just like how we should be operating at this level and at this many people versus like what we're used to, which is probably a little bit more chaotic and a little more disorganized. But, but I, I you know, that said, despite you always think about what are the problems and what are the challenges I have to really, you know, remind myself about, wow, look how far we've come and how much more opportunity there is. So that's what I try to do. <laughs> if we could address any topic in venture, what topic do you think should be addressed and who would you like to hear speak about it? I think what would actually be an interesting topic is more for the perspective of people who came from, um, I mean, it could be people who have a similar background to me in terms of like they, they're part of this kind of generation of the newer investors, either they were doing some angel investing or whatnot, or this is like kind of like an extreme way of saying it, saying it, but sort of like anyone could be in VC (laughs) or, you know, like anyone, it doesn't take like a certain type of, exclusive background or whatnot to, to be an investor. It'd be great to actually hear from more individuals who've either come from a very different background or came from, you know, more of the operational background versus having been in VC. And I actually think that's kind of like the newer generation, right? At least in Silicon Valley. I mean, you still have a lot of VCs in general who've come from kind of banking and finance, but um, it'd actually be great to hear about people who started their own funds that are like funds that are less than five years old and hear their stories. And finally, Christine, what's the best way for listeners to connect with you? I think the best way to connect is one, if it's more of like a, um, an actual, like wanting to connect and talk, probably what would help get my attention is getting a referral through someone. Like if it's someone that is in the 500 network or someone that might have a connection, if they're able to make kind of a warm intro, I think I just, unfortunately, sometimes serendipitous as it might be if I decide to just respond to a cold email. It's just, I, I can't keep up with it. So I don't usually respond to cold things on LinkedIn or, or Twitter, et cetera. But if it's a warm intro through someone, that's fine. You know, my email is probably pretty easy to figure out, but I won't say it here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, you know, definitely if, if it's connection, whether it's like a company that's great or, or whatnot, I think if, you know, our, our network is so expansive, I, I don't think it's too hard to find a connection, but Worst case, it's probably email or maybe an angelist message. But yeah, I think that's probably the best route if they can find a warm intro somehow. Well, Christine, um, really impressed by all you've done over at 500 and uh, just really appreciate you spending time with us today. Great. Thank you so much for having me. And um, it was a lot of fun. At this point, if you're a VC, you've heard of Carta. You've probably even accepted securities from a portfolio company on the platform. It feels like every new company is using Carta, and there's already 16,000 VC-backed companies on the platform. They also offer tools and services for VCs like fund administration. Carta has an army of fund accountants delivering high-quality service and dedicated teams of engineers constantly improving the functionality of their user-friendly investor platform with in-app quarterly reporting, real-time fund metrics, LP portals, and more. 
It's also easy to switch from an existing fund administrator or to augment your in-house team with their service. Learn more about their services at carta.com forward slash investors. And this episode of TFR is brought to you by Pacific Western Bank. Pacific Western specializes in providing financial services to startups, growth stage companies, and their investors, helping to navigate financial obstacles by providing access to funds and expertise. Pacific Western's customized products and team of venture banking specialists provides a banking experience designed specifically with startups and VCs in mind. If you run a tech company or if you invest in tech companies, it's strongly advisable that you build a relationship with the folks at Pacific Western. Go to PacWest.com to learn more. Very enlightening discussion there with Christine. Let's recap the key takeaways. Number one is called not the target market. We've talked about this in the past, but the investor is often not the target market. The objective for the investor is to listen and try and understand markets for products that they have little relationship to and may never use. As fun and familiar as it is to see a pitch for something you know and use, the reality is that most disruption is not targeted at the 78% of white male senior leaders at venture firms. This is where traction and due diligence calls to customers can be very revealing. As an investor, if you are in the target market, great. If not, the question is not if you get it, it's if the customer gets it. The second key takeaway is called better diversity, better performance. While Christine doesn't have hard data on this, Her position is that firms with a diverse makeup for their team and the teams that they invest in will be positioned for better performance. Clearly, there are large diverse markets with unmet needs that are waiting to be disrupted. And the white male founder likely does not have the founder market fit to be the agent of this change. Those investors ignoring diversity in this respect will miss out on massive opportunities in large and growing markets. And the third and final takeaway today is called supporting diversity in the ecosystem. We also talked today about some initiatives and groups that are organized around diversity. Christine had mixed opinions here, supporting those that are furthering the efforts of diversity and questioning those that are restricting access to only one member type. She also talked how powerful groups have been in her networking through the ecosystem and sourcing deal flow for 500 startups. Organized groups and tech meetups are a great way for passionate individuals to connect and support their efforts. If there isn't a tech meetup or a women in startups meetup in your city, why is that? And if there is an obvious omission and you're looking to get more involved, why not start a group or create an event of your own? There are many success stories in this industry of folks that started with a tech meetup. And from my standpoint, it seems that the mission of the group is more important than restricting membership. If the mission is to support Latino founders, for instance, then design the objectives and the actions around that instead of closing off the group to anyone who's not Latino. The integration piece is critical for us all to enjoy the benefits of a diverse perspective. Okay, let's wrap up with a tip of the week. And this week's tip is called checking the diversity box. When we had Rob Day on the program, he mentioned a story about a cleantech investor that was hell-bent on closing a deal in a subsector of cleantech. I think it may have been nuclear. And upon closing that deal, the investor was thrilled that they finally had a nuclear deal. Rob called this checkbox investing. 
building a portfolio of companies that check the box instead of building a portfolio of the right investments. On today's program, we talked about the checkbox approach to diversity. Those firms that want to hire a black partner or those firms that want to invest in a woman founder. Christine mentioned how many are focused on checking the box or a splashy campaign instead of integrating diversity into their day-to-day. The checkbox approach, in the end, is unlikely to serve either party. And the advantages of more diverse and integrated environments are well documented. Ultimately, those names at the bottom of the Futurelist study are only doing a disservice to themselves. All right, that's it for this episode. Head over to thefullratchet.net for show notes and all the links we discussed on today's episode. Thanks again to Christine for the time to talk about this topic. And until next time, over-prepare, choose carefully, and invest confidently. See you again soon.